Hi, you're listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life with me, your host, Mimi Novik. I'm so happy and thrilled to have you here with me. I have created this series for all of us so we can change our world together and live a more holistic and balanced life. Together, we will share lots of inspiring stories from all walks of life, speak with leading experts, enjoy healthy living ideas, explore music and subjects that inspire each other to always have hope. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all of you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Secrets for an Inspirational Life. How are you all today? I hope that life is bringing you some gentle moments, some beautiful moments, and that your heart is mostly at peace. And that's something that I think we're all striving to do, whether we realize it, sometimes we don't realize it. But whatever we're doing, I think, as I speak for myself, predominantly here, is that we must be true to whatever we are doing. We must do it with love, with passion, with sincerity. And life is really far too short to be doing things that don't bring our heart joy. Every person that we meet is absolutely not a coincidence. There is a reason for it. And we should open our heart and our soul and our life with an embracement of joy. Whenever someone comes into our life that you feel lights that spark, and you feel that they bring you peace and this recognition that is beyond words. It is in those moments that these people that we meet have the capacity to change our life. So be brave and jump at every chance that you can to be with souls like these. Now, I am absolutely delighted to welcome my guest today, who is the very talented and very interesting Yuki Yoshi. Yuki is the founder of Satori Mindset. He is a mindset and spiritual coach, also known professionally as a messenger and someone who guides people. More about that later. And he is based all the way in San Francisco. He's also the author of the brand new book, which is called Soul Purpose Insights. Yuki started off as a professional dancer, but his journey has been vast and varied and has taken him to many places. And especially now, where he now helps people to embody spiritual awareness, and the divine self. Yuki began his journey of spirituality and exploration of consciousness at the age of 17. 
He now works with people who struggle with their inner critic, negative thoughts, limiting beliefs, and lack of confidence, and helps them to live a life that is aligned with their soul's purpose. Today, he shares his story. Welcome, dear Yuki. Thank you so much for having me, Mimi. I was intrigued by all the introduction uh, words that you use. So good. So good. Oh, well, thank you very much, Yuki. And it's an absolute pleasure to have you here tonight. How are you? Very good. Thank you. This is um, perfect because uh, San Francisco right now is late morning. And, <sighs> you know, I, I do my workout first in the morning. And uh, I'm a, I am a coffee drinker, lightly. And <laughs> uh, yeah, and I am ready to share. Um, I love the title of the podcast, The Secret for Inspiration. Inspiration is truly, you know, when we are in the spirit that allows us to give the, or obtain and then give the power from within. So I love that term so much. Oh, thank you very much. And it's something, Yuki, that I thought about a lot. Um, and I wasn't really sure what to call the podcast, but I knew that it had to have something that, as I said in the introduction, something that ignites the spirit. Yeah. Because we all know when we're ignited. And if we can, you know, use that power force within us, to propel our life towards our sole purpose, which I know is one of your main vocations, so to speak, um, which is very, very empowering. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like it's interesting, um, the secret for inspiration, like I, I think many people who listen to podcasts like these are looking for ways to be lifted right? Lift it up into the sense of expansion, a uh, feeling of freedom, and to feel the life energized. And often people have circumstance and environment and relationship around them that many of us are programmed and conditioned to drain us. And then we go to this sort of things like meditation or um, workout or visualization or podcast has become huge in lifting people up to this feeling that resonate with who we truly are, which I would love to talk about more today. And yeah, soul purpose. It's interesting. Soul purpose, Mimi, has been something that came out naturally. Um, I do have a Facebook group called Soul Purpose Group. And purpose is a positive word, right? And mm -hmm. soul is an interesting terminology because like yourself and myself who have been in the spiritual space, soul means something. And there are different types of people in the world who might not be just yet open to this invis invisible dimension per se, right? Mm -hmm. But people use this term soul um, in a way that connects with passion, right? Like people talk about 
or you want to do something that you feel passionate about to for your soul. And that sentence doesn't come across spiritual for you know mainstream public, but people nevertheless use it. So somewhere inside, they know that existence and the presence. It's very true because I think that at this time, Yuki, that people are ready for something different. And that's yeah. putting it very simply. Um, it's like trying to explain the universe. It It's not possible. But, for example, with your work, people need this because they are ready, whether they know it, realize it or not. And if they're not ready, they're going to be dragged to be ready because yeah. at this time, there is a wave that is taking everybody along. And you either go and prepare with your life jacket um, or you get dragged along. Either way, you're coming along for the ride. Yeah, yeah. Did you say uh, that you started this podcast series during pandemic? Did you say that? Yes, I did, yeah. Okay, so something that I... I'm interpreting the way that I'm perceiving the whole pandemic because uh, it, it was a threat for a lot of people, right? And I wasn't in the place that of, of fear like uh, majority of people. One, one because so from from my you know name, people can tell that I'm Japanese. Um, I grew up in South America, Peru, so I lived there from two to eleven, um, nine years. And some people might catch the Spanish accent in my English, but one of the reasons that I left at the age of 11, I was there with my family uh, mm -hmm. and then left Peru and went back to Japan was because that year that we left, uh, food poison, chlorella, uh, spread all over Peru. So like we couldn't turn on water at all because it was dangerous and it was killing people, right? So because yeah. I got exposed to that, pandemic was very lighter for me. But the reason that I wanted to bring pandemic to me is because that for me is created through our collective consciousness by helping us all realizing that we're all wearing masks in our life. Mm -hmm. And we mm -hmm. have been suppressing the deeper dimension of the soul's purpose and what inspires us from within by overly being dependent on the outside. So like mask became the norm, right? But here's how I was seeing the whole thing. Like when the pandemic started to lift and when people started to not use masks, I was observing the world, how many people actually is ready to take off their mask, the role that they're playing, and to dive deeper into the essence of who we are. So that's that's the whole, you know, the way that I perceive the whole thing, and still I'm seeing it. And, you know, what you said about people are ready, right? That gave us sort of like the inner journey of 
being disrupted a little bit that the existing lifestyle the mechanical transactional life that people are living to really put us into this spiritual journey right well there are i think there are two people type of people there are people who took that as a spiritual journey there are another type of people who took us took that as just a simple threat and that sort of separate the journey and the path of whether you are moving towards waking up into their soul purpose or still living from outside in i agree there's many points there that um are really poignant yuki and i think that one of the main things, and I'm no expert in this, I have to say, and I'm not wise enough, but I think individually, we have all been on a journey since that happened. Um, that has been in a way, as you say, a collective journey. But from it, it's like when people are in a war. They're all in it together. But each person has their individual survival techniques. And this has shaken people to the core. And there is nothing more powerful than when one fears for their own mortality. Because when people are afraid to die or loved ones, it suddenly shakes people into a certain dimension where they have to face the reality. The masks have to come off. The layering of years of learning things that are possibly not true, accepting things that are not true about themselves, about their environment, this has to be ripped in order to survive. You know, we go into a survival mode and the body is one thing when it tries to survive, the ego quite another. But when the soul is fighting for survival, it already knows. It knows what is going to happen. And it is at that point that we can connect to it. And if we are wise, we begin to listen to what it's saying to us. Yeah, you know, as I listen to what you're saying, it, it, it kept reminding me of, like, I, I see the biggest addiction that humans have is the addiction to themselves, right? The familiar yeah. way of living, that mm-hmm. the beliefs that we hold, and the thinking patterns that we are married to, right? That's the mm. past, present self. And what you're describing is we do need some sort of situational impact for us to truly making a decision to graduate out of what's not serving us. That could be the habitual thinking patterns. That could be the disempowering emotional home that we are accustomed to live. That can be a limiting beliefs that we inherited, you know, environmentally. Um, and it requires a decision. And 
you know, you're saying survival, that makes us decide because there's no other way, right? Once mm. that happens. So decision is huge for a lot of people. You know, it, what you said is sort of like a cornerstone of coaching though, because many people want change without changing. Right? Yeah, many it's people true. are seeking change and they're not willing to change the identity and like that's because many people are inside of the identity absorbed by it which is their thinking and emotions and belief but once we start raise above it we can observe one thing that i say often is that if you can observe something you're not absorbed by it so by observing our thoughts, feelings, beliefs, behaviors, and our own identity, uh, we can make a decision to change. And to stay in that decision is another thing, right? So change requires decision is what sort of your comment sort of inspires me to navigate my mind as I hear. And I agree with you again, where there is no change unless we want there to be change. And you can drag people all you like, by the hair, by the legs, by the arms, whatever, by the ears, to make them want to change their life. But unless they want to, it's impossible. Yet, as I say this, there is something happening, as you, of course, will know, Yuki, on a far greater dimension that is igniting the word of the evening, that feeling that people want to do something, they want, their soul wants to move in, in a direction, a different direction, or further along the path they have chosen. And if they haven't chosen the path, they need it, they need guidance. And at the same moment that we are so powerful, we are also so fragile in this crossroads that is happening right now. Yeah, yeah. Interesting that you're using that term crossroad because um, one analogy that I use often, Mimi, is that we're always at the intersection, intersection yeah. of choosing empowering energy or disempowering energy and to become aware of that moment to moment right because this sort of spiritual work practices and the the, the space of conscious manifestation universal law of attraction uh, requires more than understanding and knowledge yeah so we gather information to learn what it is that doesn't mean that we're living it, right? So mm. we, we call that the, the, the process of embodiment. So until the belief shift and we become different frequencies, somebody else, basically, that, that energy is not embodied fully. So many people um, gather information and then, you know, read books and all that, but my focus, Mimi, is, okay, once people have that knowledge and understanding, 
and then waking up into this idea that there are more than the mind, there are more than the body, and we have the mind gifted, we have the body gifted, and nothing, we don't own anything, but we're temporarily renting on this earth plane. The work that needs to be done for all of us to truly become the creator of our own life is to embody it. So that is the you know real work. And that embodiment happens for me by having this awareness of living fully present in the moments to observe anything. Because unless you can observe, you're observing anything, you cannot identify anything and change it at that moment, right? Mm. It passes and then you kind of remember later, but the ideal situation is to truly catch in that moment and to observe and to course correct and redirect to feel empower and inspire all the time. Very true. Very true. And we are always somehow, we are all guilty of that, I believe, that we're sort of running in the past, backwards, trying to think that we can be in the past, reliving every story, or we're running into a future that, of course, is imagination. And as you said, unless you're in that present moment, really living that moment, really experiencing it, feeling it. It's impossible. It's impossible to actually even taste life. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, there are a lot of things that's coming up on on my mind as I hear what you're saying, um, Mimi. You know, past only resides in our memory because when the past happened it was in the present moment and in the concept called future that we all agree when that happens and occur it happens in the present moment and we have a certain belief and assumption and expectation in life in in ourselves based on our memory right So, and then let's say, like if you are somebody who don't believe in the invisible world and in the consciousness realm, people might say, oh, I can believe once I see, right? Seeing is believing. But once we enter into this sort of spiritual space, we start leaning towards this idea that, oh, maybe believing is seen, right? I can see in the physical world because now I believe it. And because the universal law of cause and effect exists, things appear in our life in the 3D physical world because I'm vibrating in that state of believing certain thing. So actually we are, the cause and effect happens from inside to outside. And that is a key, right? To, to constantly be in that awareness because often the outside physical world, which is actually the effect of our inside cause, when we don't train the mind to look at that as an effect, 
often it causes us to think and feel in a certain way, especially when things, let, let's say somebody, you know, who is going through some tough time or challenging time, the outside situation environment that that person perceives as negative causes that person to think and feel in a certain way, right? Mm -hmm. um, but my experience is that being in this space, everything has like up and down, like look at the law of rhythm, universal law of rhythm. So mm. when something goes kind of low or off a little bit, I see that as an indication that something great coming right after. I call that deep before the leap. And that's a very good line. Yeah, yeah. It, so every single time, right? Like the dip happens in my life all the time. And especially I can think of, I can think of exactly a year ago, like it's not like one or two things happens, but three, four, five things start going wrong in your life. That's a perception, right? You mm. start, usually people start feeling disempowered, right? But I have cultivated this perspective that I get excited about what's coming next as a leap. Because the more that the like you know, whenever you jump, you need to go down first in order to go up. So I see that way that life force um, happens that way. And whenever things that is dis disempowering or challenging happens, the more challenging that is, I expect a breakthrough around the corner. So my attention is in that place. And then my energy that is the cause of the manifestation outside is set to the direction that I want it to go, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. And it reminds me, as you were talking, I was reminded that I was coming back from a flight from Canada. Oh. And in those days, well, like, I can't remember how many years ago it was, maybe six, seven years ago, and um, they had this channel on there. It was Air Canada, and they had this channel on there, and they had somebody talking and giving stories. You know, the art of storytelling is so powerful, isn't mm -hmm. it? Um, as a teaching method, as really as something that um, I think that's why podcasts are so popular, because, you know, it's storytelling in a way. And I remember it was only one line. It was such wonderful um, narrator who was narrating, had such a lovely voice. But there was one line that he said, and, and it sort of encompasses what you said, where he said, you know, the most difficult time is when you're put into the fire, but you know that you have to go into the fire because unless you are pushed, it's like alchemy, unless you've gone through that fire, um, you can't turn into gold. You can't turn the base metal into gold. And it's reminding me, those words are coming to me as you were speaking to me, because unless you go through the lows, I don't think you can get to the highs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And this is a perfect place for me to sort of begin talking about um, the main message that I have for what I do, Mimi. Yes, uh, now. 
hold that thought. Sorry to interrupt you. What we haven't done, Uh because you're so fantastic at at what you've been saying, um, Yuki, is this is the perfect opportunity also for you to tell us how it began and how you got to this point now of the message of your life. Right. And then you want me to do that in three to five minutes instead of three to five hours, right? (laughs) (laughs) What is that? What is that famous saying? And you might know it. Um, I don't know whether it was William Blake that um, whatever you see in a grain of sand, you know that saying, um, the whole world can be seen in a grain of sand. So I shall leave it to you, please. Yeah. Okay. So... I guess though I dove into a lot of stuff without sharing my story a little bit. Um, <laughs> I mean, you you know, you you share a little bit about my background. So I was born in Tokyo, uh, raised by two artists. So my mother was a piano teacher. My father is uh, was and is a photographer, and I see my mother as a healer as well. Like. They were very different from traditional parents that I heard from my friends. Like, neither of them told me to study, (laughs) get a good grade or anything. I have never heard my parents sing any of those. Um, My dad always told me to enjoy life, right? And I guess, so... I have an older sister and younger brother. I'm the middle. And my dad majored photography in his university and then traveled all over the world. And then he fell in love with the country called Peru culturally and uh, architecturally, right? Like uh, Machu Picchu is in Peru. Uh, I don't know if you know Nazca. There's a lot of beautiful uh, people, beautiful. Yeah. I have a couple of friends who are from there and they're beautiful. Yeah, and in great food too, by the way. And oh, really? Yeah, like ceviche or I don't know, yeah. There's a little. I don't know in UK, but in the United States, there are different Peruvian restaurants that are so good. So basically, I was um, raised and lived in two countries, Peru and Japan, that have great food, um, which is the reason that I like eating. But so. I was raised by those parents. And then like my dad did what he was passionate about, right? He was on purpose and with purpose. And I watched him, right? Doing what what was feeding him and making him alive. And my mother was a supporter, right? And as you might know, and an audience know, Peru is a developing country. So it's people on the street or children don't have money. And I watch, I grew up watching that. And then at the age of 11, I moved to Japan, which was a, everything was uh, automatic. And I don't know if you, do you have 7-Eleven, the convenience store 7-Eleven in UK? I don't think so. Okay, so in America, we have a like a convenience store, like a small mm-hmm. market, right? And in America, 7-Eleven is connected to gas station. 
but then if you go to convenience store in Japan, they have great food. Do you have Whole Foods in UK? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so in a small convenience store in Japan, 7-Eleven, that is sort of like a, tied into a gas station that is not too clean in this country, has much, much better food than Whole Foods. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the cleanliness and the quality and the organization and the way that we cultivated the culture of respect and consideration to others was something that stood out in Japan. But throughout those processes, though, Mimi, like I, I watch my dad and my parents, and I was raising that sort of life that encouraged freedom, right? Mm. Uh, they really encouraged freedom. And then I guess finding things that makes me vibrant. That was the message that I was receiving. It wasn't something that they were telling me, but that's something that I felt. Um, and but I wasn't a confident child. I grew up uh, suffering from asthma, so when you start your life with asthma, which is a difficulty of breathing, yeah, and that was my inner experience. Like, it's difficult to feel confident about you if you're not feeling good about your internal world, right? And the outside world reflects that. So I think the way that I saw the world and the life reflected my experience sort of struggling with the breathing. So I don't think I had a strong trust and conviction around life back then. And... And then that everything changed when I was 17. I came across a book. Uh, I didn't like studying at school, university, but I love going to the bookstore. So my first book that I opened was uh, James Redfield's Celestine Prophecy, followed by Neil Donald Walsh's Conversation with God. And I was going to that bookstore reading their book. Um, and I was waiting for the book, the next book to come out. So my real study and exploration of the spirituality happened in the bookstore. And at that age, 17, I was 16 probably, I started to dance. Any sports that I did when I was in school, um, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't a vehicle that allowed me to express myself, but dance was. So my friend invited me to dance and I sort of it is typical, right? Friends invite, and then I continue. My friend didn't continue. <laughs> and then I kept going, and then I built a career out of that. Um, and then that was fun. So uh, I'm talking a little bit about this journey in my book, Soul Purpose Insights. But so teen, early 20s, I was a dancer professionally, and I was, that was my sort of like a outer expression and inside I was walking my spiritual path and that sort of ended after I moved to Los Angeles because I had a bulging disc so I threw my back multiple times during audition and one of the audition was um, audition for uh, Christina Aguilera and I felt like okay this is this is a time for me to make a transition so I went to this place so teaching movement, things like yoga, Pilates, and body work. And I was always interested in the holistic aspect, the mind and 
the thoughts and subconscious. So that interest led me to move to San Francisco to pursue my graduate program in holistic health education, where I study the mind and the consciousness and the energetic field. That was the degree, actually. Um, yeah, and then from there, I I didn't I, I wasn't particularly interested in psychotherapist becoming a psychotherapy artist although the school was based on that so I was surrounded by so I chose holistic health education and what was available through that was more around coaching so first I started as a like a whole health coaching and then that sort of transition into more spiritual soul purpose stuff because then I saw the root cause of even health from the whole perspective for me was the connection, disconnection from the spiritual plane. So I wanted to, yeah, so kind of circle back, coming back to something that I felt called to at the age of 17. Now I'm doing it as a way to uh, help people, inspire people, guiding people. Now, Yuki, when you were 17, was it one of those moments where you had an epiphany and suddenly the spiritual world opened? Or is it something that you experienced earlier on? I love, that, I love that question. I can, I can, I can explain and describe to you exactly what happened. I was on a break of my part-time job, right? I was a server, right? And like a 30 minutes break or something. And there was a book, there was a book on the table, right? I think it was hmm. the manager's book. In the next moment, I was reaching that book and opening. And that wasn't even the Celestine prophecy or conversation with God, but that was more like a, a wisdom book, right? This different mm -hmm. quote yeah. and all that. And what I saw in the book felt very familiar. And I started to feel like, oh my God, this book, whatever that is, is talking what I have always been feeling inside. And it's very interesting because even my parents weren't traditional and they were open-minded. I never brought in front of them spiritual talk. Yeah. So yeah. it was inside of me all the time. And now I'm seeing somebody's writing on a book, something that I have always been feeling. And that led me to become a loyal student of going to bookstore. <laughs> yeah. what was the book you know um i don't think it's a book that is it, it was written by japanese yeah uh -huh. and, but but the publisher i kind of follow different books of that publisher that is a japanese publisher and it was along the line of same content and from there uh, it led me to explore the section in the bookstore spirituality. Yeah. That's remarkable. When moments happen like that, um, it is, it, you know, I, I don't know what your feelings and your thoughts are about destiny, 
but I'm definitely a believer in that. And it reminds me of a story of I was in a bookshop in London mm-hmm. and I was suddenly drawn to this book and it was a photographer, funnily mm-hmm. enough, who had taken photographs of spiritual places around the world. And I was totally transfixed by this photograph of a praying man, which was in Morocco, actually. You know, they have their, um, I don't know what the actual cloak is, where they have their hoods and sort of with a little point at the top. And this man was in contemplation. It was dark, but there was a light coming and he had taken, it was a real photograph and he's a fantastic photographer. And I started to read through this book and then I thought, I've got to see these people. Who are these people? Um, And that book I carried with me in all my travels. And I actually met one of the people in that book because it was just meant to be. And it was one of those moments where you know that life has aligned in that moment. And Mm -hmm. there is your jump, so to speak. Yeah, that was fantastic. Like, yeah, you you kind of use in the intro of the podcast, you know, words like true, right, and mm. trusting. Like, I I felt something inside. I felt something in my inside that I wasn't alone when I came across that book. Yes, and. I thought to myself in that moment, although I had always believed in a far greater power and I believe in the power of God Mm -hmm. and I am very open to people to have whatever they want to believe in. That for me, everyone has to believe what they want to believe. But I also um, feel that when this divine moment sort of descends upon us it is like a whisper from destiny you know you're on the right track you've turned as you call it um yuki um the intersection there's some intersection business going on there yeah yeah and you could take that route that route any route but you decide to take that route and that makes all the difference to your life yeah you know like sharing what I just share and then listening to what you're saying and then sort of recalling my path that I have taken. I feel like the first 15, 16 years of my life was a life of, I wouldn't say struggle, but a lot of pain. Like I injured a lot and I wasn't confident, right? And that moment turned my life into curiosity and expansion. And since then, I feel like I have been devoting my energy into connecting the dots. You know, that's some language that I have been using that I love where when I share what I share and then sort of like a frame, you know, you kind of, when you start doing things long enough, you start putting some framework, right? That Mm -hmm. the view of the world to be able to explain and share with people to give order in their mind. And 
I feel like that's what I have been doing the last uh, how many years spiritual path where I have been connecting dots to be able to offer some clarity for people because there are a lot of information in the world. And the more I can give an organized framework for people to understand, I, I see life as a very simple thing. There's a complexity, but when you see in a certain lens, there's a simplicity and that simplicity took me and then other people who are around me to feel connected with the divine inside of us because you know like like this organized room doesn't give you a sense of calmness and connectivity but when things are in order internally uh, it gives us a deeper sense of trust. So I feel like that's what I have been doing. And that's the feedback that I get. Like um, a lot of people who follow uh, Abraham Hicks and Joe Dispenza, um, I don't know if you're familiar with their work, but tends yes, to, I am. Yeah, yeah. Tends to tell me that they resonate with what I say because I, I have this sort of like a, I'm not a motivational speaker. Right. Uh, I never want to push people through motivation, but I want to pull people forward through inspiration. So the, the perspective is a little bit more of that yin feminine energy that I sort of share. And then because I have a little bit of an academic background, I'm able to articulate things in a way that form my perspective and so that's why I think people who follow Jody Spencer, who is pretty, you know, articulate, and then Abraham Hicks with ease and flow. So come to me and I feel like, okay, this is makes sense. So mm. yeah. now, Yuki, I want to ask you, I want to take you back a little bit um, with regards to your journey with asthma, because that's an interesting one. When I was young, I also suffered with asthma. <clears throat> and um, it's something that actually makes you a little bit or a lot, depending, introverted to some extent. Oh. Because you are, I don't know about yourself, but you're constantly aware of your breathing. And when you're constantly aware of your breathing and your breath, you exist really on a different plane to most people because most people are not aware they're living their life they're healthy um they don't have to be in a way yeah and then you live your life and then you read the books you meet the people you meet the wise people and then the secret of life one of the secrets is the breath. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, as I listen to you, is it possibly this heightened awareness that you had as a child, especially, you know, asthma can be a very dangerous thing. 
this heightened awareness of life and death, the momentary threat that actually installed this great wisdom that gave you the ability now to be able to guide the people because you have been to those places. In fact, you can't guide anyone um, unless you've been there. It's impossible because you don't know the way. But because you do know the way, I wonder how much of that is due to this experience of you having asthma as a child. I mean, no doubt what you said, meaning that when you are experiencing asthma, there's a certain position, sitting position or body angle that makes you breathe a little bit better, right? So you can constantly look for that position. And interesting that you're saying when you are sort of having a limited way to breathe, you become aware of the breath or lack thereof. And that doesn't happen in people who don't go through that because you're right, people take it for granted, right? Mm -hmm. that, because that's all, always available. Um, just like gravity always exists. But I think because that, that experience of struggle and challenge definitely shaped my identity, right? Of feeling something about me. And what you're saying right now is so good because you use the term wisdom, yeah? And I think that is the key. And then absolutely right though, that the whole thing that I have experienced, all the injuries that I had, like, Experiencing blood all over. I'm not gonna go into detail. <laughs> Expressing okay. blood all over in my head and in my nail. Um, and I had this pain in my knee, and I'm thinking about where else I had pain. And then that's a physical pain, right? And then I had this like a psycho psychological pain that I had. All that shaped my sensitivity in the way that I can empathize people to understand how people's uh, belief and identity are formed that allow me to connect with people from a deeper level. And, and, and I think that's one of the messages that I have with everybody though, because people think that you know, pain and negativity is bad. And then when you are actually experiencing and when you're in the midst of it, it's not fun. And, but at the same time, this is something that my mentor told me, nothing exists in this physical world without good in it. No matter how terrible or horrifying or challenging it might be in that moment, Nothing exists without a good in it because we live in this the realm of relative means that when the left exists, the right must exist. When the up exists, down exists. 
we see the color, color red in comparison to other colors. So we call that relativity. You know, this everything is relative, right? And then those are learned thing. We learn the color orange because we all use and have a name of orange. Yeah. So negativity and positivity too, like in this physical earth plane, opposite always exists. So I think the key, the secret in life, I'm gonna sort of mimic you, one of the secrets is, yeah. is to learn how to see life from the perspective of the soul. I, that's how I call it. Like when you perceive life from a, let's just call human identity or program place, Nobody wants negative thing. But when we begin seeing what happens in our life from the perspective of the soul, we start seeking meaning in it, right? So what does this mean to you? And then that's why the term that you use, wisdom, is so good because every single negative experience that we have had in the past, there is a gift and the wisdom within that we receive because we have gone through it, right? So I think it's the key to be able to cultivate that perspective and to be able to um, build those gifts and wisdom from the path that we have taken. That's actually the key to discover our soul's purpose because many people say, I don't know what my purpose is and people have lived their life, right? So looking back, all the things, the highlights that happen in our life, and then looking for meanings and wisdoms and the gift that we receive from all the challenging situation and of course, exciting things. And then to ask, okay, now I became the person based on that experience, how can I give to the world? And so one of my wisdom was definitely, just like you said, come from asthma. And it started there. And I went through this non-confident version of me. And I can understand when somebody's not confident or when somebody is sort of stuck and struggle with something, what is happening in them. And in my role and what I feel called to is to help people look through that story, but a deeper inside of them because the light inside of them is just being dim through the story, but the light is bright inside when we start peeling off all those false stories that we have developed. And at what point, Yuki, did you realize that one of your purposes, there are many, but one of them was to help people? Did you always know that this was a purpose in your life? Or is that something that came about because of a particular event or a happening, how did you make that transition? 
I can't remember which book, but when I was reading some of the books at the bookstore, I deeply felt that one day, you know, I didn't, I didn't think the term coaching because that was a long time ago and in coaching industry wasn't developed the way that it is right now. But to teach and let's just call the term inspiration or inspiring others to remember who they are is what I'm here to do. I deeply felt that. And then interesting that you're asking though, because like I have lots of students uh, in Tokyo that was coming to my dance class. So I was, you know, when you're a dancer, you're, you kind of perform on the stage, but I, you also have different classes that you teach, right? Mm. And I'm connected with some of them that who were student long time ago, but then when I, and then I kind of reconnected with many people during pandemic, of course, right? And when I said to them that this is what I'm doing, like a coaching and living from within, and somebody told me, I think you are already, <laughs> somebody told me, I think you are already doing that when you were teaching dance, which is me. So I was teaching, the teaching dance was a vessel and vehicle, but I was teaching something deeper already. I wasn't just calling myself sole purpose coach. You know, the language and the terminology change. Even when you teach things like mindful, intentional, conscious movement, yoga, I never felt like I was teaching exercise, but something more. So the vehicle has changed in the initial moment of feeling like, okay, this is what I'm here to do. But I think, and I have never been um, feeling Mimi like I was doing something that I wasn't feel feeling purposeful. I always felt it. But the expression and the vehicle and the way that I call what I'm doing has changed. The essence remains the same. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I guess through those experiences, it's kind of interesting that you said what moment I realized. I feel like the realization is forever unfolding. Um, and then people who work with me know that, like, I often say to people that, okay, I'm explaining this right now, this week, this way, but this might change next week, right? So yeah. and this, that, that's, another, that's another reason, Mimi, that I wasn't able to release my book for nine years after I wrote. Because if I released it, I wrote this book when I was going through my graduate school, right? And I finished my graduate school in 2013. So we are 2022, so nine years ago. And I didn't publish it because I felt like if I just get it out there, I couldn't include what I'm going to expand into the following week or following month. Mm. Yeah. So I, I'm a very curious person and I'm learning things all the time. And yeah, the realization goes deeper and deeper through interaction with people and working with clients and actually receiving different feedback from people where I learn through them. So it's forever unfolding. 
That's a beautiful way to put it, actually. It, it's true. You learn as a mirror, being a mirror, other people being a mirror. And I think that's the only way that we can actually see ourselves truly. Yeah, yeah. And it, it is, it's ever unfolding. It's a complete continuation of a never-ending and never-beginning, in fact. It's, you know, more than the circle of life. It beyond eternity, in fact. Yeah. And that's the beauty about what you do. Now, Yuki, you're, you're such a fascinating person, and I could talk to you for hours, really. And I want to ask you one question, which are the samurai from Japan? Yeah. I have to ask you, as soon as I knew you were going to come on, I thought I have to ask him this because I'm totally fascinated with them. Oh. And um, there's something so elegantly beautiful about them. Oh, yeah. You know, in a lot a, of the martial arts given in Japan. Yes. Yeah. 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 Especially intentionality. Do you do martial arts at all? Um, I actually, oh, this is something that nobody knows almost. <laughs> <laughs> No, actually, a Japanese traditional uh, martial arts, but I have done Taekwondo when I was little in Peru. Ah. Yeah. So you're a secret sort of Taekwondo master. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I want to call myself Taekwondo master because it's not <laughs> I was doing it for a long time, but I totally understand what you're saying. Like, there are a lot of practices in Japan, like, mm. I don't know if you know, like a tea ceremony or flower. Yes, ceremony. yes, yeah. yes. So we use flower ceremony is called kado. Ka is flower and do is the path. And then sado is tea, uh, you know, matcha tea. And do, do, whenever something says do in Japanese, it's it's it means the path, right? Like a judo, aikido. So the path, and then all those martial arts or like a ritualization is um, geared towards building the intention and the respect and the practice, which it's not like I have practiced all those, but I guess that culture, that, that energy is ingrained in Japanese culture, which I feel in myself. So, yeah, I love it's that. a beautiful culture. It's a beautiful culture and such beautiful people, really. And I find Japanese people so polite, I mm. have to say. And and there is a strength in their in their gentleness mm. somehow um, that I I absolutely love. Yeah, I like what you say. Strength in the gentleness, absolutely. Yeah, beautiful. Now, as we come to the end of the episode, Yuki, I want to ask you, where can people, because you've written this brand new book, right. firstly, where can people find out about the book? Where can they buy the book? Um, right. And you offer all sorts of different things. Where can people... Um, 
have a look at all of that? Yeah. So instead of, you know, sharing the link or the, you know, I don't really have a website website. There are different, you know, things that I do and people can learn. But the, the two best places that people can find me is actually social media, either Instagram or Facebook, which is just my full name, Yuki Yoshi with the two eyes at the end. So Y-U-K-I-Y-O-S-H-I-I. And the activity that I am involved in the most is um, the Facebook group. I have a spiritual, I have spiritual parties in that group. So it's called Soul Purpose Group. You so have you a spiritual party? <laughs> yes. Wow. My I mean, I go, I, go, I go live every single um, week and then uh, different, different questions and uh, post. And I used to do like a monthly live event but now mm-hmm. I'm doing every other month. Uh, but actually, if you're, if anybody who will be listening to this right away, um, next year in January, I'm going to have a event called Freedom. And that's something that people can find out by coming to the Facebook group. All, all the time, all the links will be available either on my Facebook or Instagram. And then if anybody's interested in checking out the Soul Purpose Insights um, book, the link is up there on my Instagram as well. And you can give the links um, to me, Yuki, and I can put them on the episode so that people can yeah. go directly to you. Um, yeah. That would be very useful. Now, what's the um, Facebook um, group called? The Facebook group is called Soul Purpose Group. Is it invite only or can anyone join? No, anyone can join. This is a private group that anyone can join. And this is a group for people who are called to awaken the world, who are called to be a part of awakening the world. How lovely. Well, the party, I hope you're going to invite me to a party now. That is, you have to invite me to the party. Yeah, yeah, I will. (laughs) You have to invite me to the party. Now, what about the book? Where can people find the book? Yeah, so um, Satori Mindset is something that I sort of come up with. Satori means self-realization. I mean, realization and a mindset for me is a frequency, that level of vibration, right? So uh, th- th- that is the site, right? Satori uh, forward slash, not for us, satori dash mindset.com and then a forward slash soul purpose insight with the S at the end is the link. Uh, I don't have it yet on Amazon. Uh, it's an ebook that is about 70 something pages. Um, and depending on where, when you right now, uh, I'm offering the book with each person's name on it. So this is something that I can do uniquely because I'm publishing on my own. Um, but once I start releasing on Amazon and going to audio, I won't be able to have the ability to put each person's name. But I have been enjoying though. People order that book. And then uh, when that comes through, I put people, people's name on the soul purpose insights book with the intention of giving that to each soul so that has been fun 
Well, that's a rather lovely thing to have. So um, people can have a personalized book. They can contact you through your social media. And when it goes on Amazon, well, you know, then it goes worldwide in any case. But at least someone can have something quite personal and quite rare. Yeah. Yep. So that's a good thing for for listeners out there um, to get hold of the book and to have something you know, quite beautiful is to have something that is rare and that nobody else has. I think that's wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, before you go, I always ask my guests this, a couple of lines of wise words from you, something for the listeners out there that are finding it maybe a little bit difficult in these times. Words of advice that have helped you through your life that you would mm-hmm. like to share. Yeah. So I think we're here. This is something that I say often, Amini, and everybody who is listening to. We are here for two reasons. One is to discover our unique gift inside of us. And notice that I say, said discover, right? Means to uncover from within because it's already inside of us. It's not something that we find outside. And then to use that unique gift to serve and illuminate others. And the way that I see is, this is something that I also... I'll say in my, uh, among my clients where, you know, the halo, angel halo, right? Yes. In it, the, the, the wings, right? We all have that angel halo. We can even practice whenever we encounter somebody to sort of visualize halo above each and every person. And it's just a matter of, depending on where the person is, awareness, yeah, that the brightness of the halo is a little bit dimmer or brighter. And what we are doing, each one of us is doing, is the more we tap into our inner light and get closer to that person who might have the current halo light dim, that person can see better that allows them to make the halo brighter. So it is the path and the journey. And the more we discover and connect with that unique gift, it allows us to express ourselves fully. That allows the halo to be brighter, but that's not the end. That's a half 50% of our purpose. The second half of the purpose is that relationship and the encounter that we have in life where we get to turn somebody's halo brighter by walking close to that person so they can see their light inside of them. Many people don't see their halo light inside of them because it's dimmed. But if we have, if we can brighten that halo on our own and come closer to that person, they can see a little bit better that allows them to make it brighter. So illuminating the world 
through the light within us is what we are here to do. And the more people become aware of this analogy and the intention, I think we can create a domino effect and ripple effect to truly illuminating the world. That's illumination is one of my favorite words. Yuki, those words have really touched my heart. It is such a beautiful way to put that. And as a reminder, really, for people everywhere on the planet, that they are actually the light and they can see themselves better through our light and we can see ourselves better through their light. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was absolute pleasure to share uh, my, you know, wisdom that I have cultivated. And I hope this can, you know, lighten up your audience and to create that uh, illumination around the world. I'm sure it will. And, you know, the pleasure was all mine, really. I learned a lot of things and I will think about a lot of things that you said tonight. And um, please come again, Yuki, yeah, and, yeah. because it would be wonderful for you to come back and share some more of your enlightening messages because they are really, really very beautiful. Great. Yeah, I would love oh. to. Well, my greeting to San Francisco and the United States. I wish you a pleasant day because it's daytime there. And um, I wish you all the very best in life. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mimi. Thank you so much for having me. A pleasure. Take care. Bye. Bye. Yuki Yoshi, what a fantastic conversation, really. Thank you so much for joining me today. I wish you beautiful moments and a very, very happy Christmas and a very happy new year. Until next time, look after yourselves and lots and lots of love. Thank you for listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life, brought to you by your host, Mimi Novik. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and see you in the next episode. For more information about Mimi Novik and her books, music and inspirational work, take a look at her website, www.miminovik.co.uk.